Good evening again. Welcome to another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And it's a little bit strange tonight because we're actually neither in the boardroom or the locker room. We're actually in the water. You might be wondering, what are we going to be doing in the water? Well, coming up, the 50th anniversary of the Midmar Mile. And today we speak to Wayne Rutten, who is the race director of that event. Wayne, thank you so much for your time and welcome to From the Boardroom to the Swimming Pool, I guess, tonight. Yeah, or we can say to the dams, I suppose. <laughs> but thanks very much. Yeah, very much so. And uh, again, a big thank you to you uh, for those people who've joined us for the show. We're actually uh, across the, the ocean because Wayne's talking to us from Berlin. Let's start off. What are you doing there? Well, um, you know, last year we headed out here um, as a group, um, Seal Swimming Club, um, that's basically funded you know, by the um, Aquila Midmar Mile itself. So we put a lot of money back into the swimmers. And this was the first trip where we, we launched the sort of new man on the scene, which is Matthew Sates. And um, he came out and he won the World Cup. So he broke um, three junior world records um, on last year's trip. And it all started in Berlin. So we are here with a few more juniors. And obviously, he's got to defend his title. So he's got quite a big um, challenge on his cards this weekend in Berlin. But, you know, the world's sort of top swimmers come along here at the same time. So um, Chad Leclerc will be here as well and he'll be hoping to sort of get his new program underway as well and he's part of the the Quella Midmar Mile as well as one of the charities that we we raise funds for. We'll talk more about the race the Midmar Mile in a short while's time I'm just interested to know uh, you spoke about uh, one or two young up-and-coming swimmers who else should we look out for I mean how big is the group that you've got with you and what names as fans of South African sports, should we be looking out for? Well, you know, there's be some young kids that will only just really swim in the heats. They won't really go past the heats here at this stage. But after what, um, you know, Matthew Sates did last year, I think it, it opened up a few eyes for a few of the coaches in, in South Africa. You know, it's a self-funded tour. You swim under South Africa, but it's actually your club that's here. But I keep them under the South African banner. And, um, you know, you've got Mila Dracopoulos here who, who went to the Junior World Championships. You know, she's sort of having her first sort of scene at at this level he's a backstroker and we're hoping that in two years time she'll be on the olympic team so you know it's nice that a, a younger kid can come through here but obviously you know everything's going to be looking at chad and matt um you know because they're normally the the top ones matt is the new kid he's only not, just turned 19 so you know the people have always sort of saying well you know you know is matt now following as the top male behind chad leclo you know you've got clayton jimmy here who's one of the older guys who's at um, 27 years old now and he's really had a huge comeback and he wants to to be on the Olympic team in, in 2024 and you've got Ryan could see so they, they're not the younger guys but they're the guys that are trying to climb back up the ladder and make sure that they're going to be competing for South Africa One of the things that uh, it's intriguing to me is um, and most of us who are not participating in the sport don't link an event like the Midmar Mile with if I may call it swimming pool sports but there is a, a definitive link isn't there? Yes you know obviously most of the people do a um, training program somewhere it's not going to really be in the dams I think South Africa's got a unique situation where our dams are already some of the most beautiful ones in the world and um, certainly the, the open water swimming that I've been to um, you know, and Midmar Dam in particular is really clean. But all of the swimmers have to obviously head for the pools first. And, um, you know, one of our supporters in the for many, many years, and, and they give us free Virgin Active passes for, for our swimmers that are at the elite level, like Chad LeClaire himself, Clayton Jimmy, and, you know, Matthew Sates, they have free passes in there, and that's their involvement with the actual Midmar Mala itself. So, you know, we hope that people go into those pools there, do a gym program, get healthier and fitter. And um, it builds all the way up into seeing that we, you know, I think one of the few 
few events in the world that have swimmers, you know, over 81 years old that are competing. It's quite a big group there now. And our oldest finisher is Lorna Cochran, um, you know, at 91 years old. I think it was 2015. So, you know, some record that we sort of take pride in. Keep the thought of Lorna, because I want to talk about her. She's going to be 100 next year. Still going strong, not swimming, but be that as it may. Wayne, let's go back, if we may. And I was heavily involved in swimming, going back to the readmission in South African sports. And obviously the sensation of Petty Haynes as we've progressed through the years. It seems as though it is one of the sports... And I'm excited to hear that you're in Berlin with a crop of young swimmers because we keep producing, don't we? I mean, we've gone from the the Roland Skumans, the Naki de Toys, the Penny Haynes, the Rake Nierklins, and obviously into Chad, Tatiana Schumacher, Matthew now. It must be fantastic to take these young kids and to have seen them develop in a sport which I know it's easy to find somebody just jump in a dam and swim, but it's not quite that simple, is it? Yes, you know, we, we have, um, you know, in the early days before uh, 1992, you know, you also had a lot of the Rhodesians in those days that were also. So this sort of Southern Hemisphere side seems to have produced a lot of swimmers. And, and South Africa in particular, with the funding that we get, which is not, uh, you know, not there for yeah. the individual to on the climb up, you know, once you get up to the top, you can start getting some sort of funding. But the average kid is paying a lot to compete for South Africa. So, you know, we always try to find funds that can be put into these people, um, you know, to produce it. I mean, if I had a work back, you know, what have we put into producing a swimmer like Matthew Sates, you know, we, we're talking about millions, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's nice to see that FINA, who's the world controlling body, actually has competitions like the Swimming World Cup that will allow people like him to actually become a professional and swim professionally, because that counts for a lot. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, myself as well included, you know, we're not paying for this trip as an example, but you've got to get up to this level first. So what's that going to cost to climb up there. Yeah. And we had the same problems in the Rake Nietling days, Roland Skillman days, Brendan Dierkin, all of them, you know, and I sort of like put a challenge to myself since 1992, uh, you know, to have Olympic swimmer at every single Olympics. And at the moment, I'm the only one in South Africa at Seal Swimming Club that actually holds that, you know, there, there isn't any other club or coach in the country that has kept that record intact. So that's something I just challenged myself with. So we're looking at what are we doing in 2024? We're happy to have a guy like, um, you know, Matt Sates there, but then we've also got Clayton Jimmy. We've got Mila Dracopoulos coming through. So we've always got those chances of getting another person on in 2024. But yeah, it's a lot of a big cost. And, and that's where we've got to be very thankful to the actual Midmore Mile itself to generate the funds to run the swimming center in Peter Marisburg. Because we try to create that um, high performance center in a little place like Peter Marisburg, because we've got such good schools. And it's a pity that we can't get more investors because, you know, there's a potential um, Olympic swimming pool standards-wise, you know, that the pool from um, that's going to be in the World Championships next year in Japan. That mm -hmm. pool is a potential pool that's going to be bought by St. Charles College in Peter Maritzburg, you know, now over the next couple of days. It'll be taken down in Japan and then resurrected in Peter Maritzburg and we'll have a proper, you know, world standard pool because that's what we haven't got in South Africa. And it would be nice to see a couple of investors come through to say, you know, we doing this for the kids you know this is what it's all about you know that's why I went into it I'm an ex-school teacher maths and science teacher and I got too busy and I had to do things like mid mile and coach so you know we're trying to do this for the youth of our country to keep them in our country we have lots of people who say you know why are kids leaving well my question to everybody is what are you doing to keep them yeah. so there's you know to me you know we just need more mm -hmm. people that are getting together to act as one group of people to make sure that this can happen and then I guess with the swimming pool like the one you're talking about in the high performance center there won't necessarily be the need for people to go to America in particular to pursue their swimming careers. Although, I guess, going 
to a big college in America is a big draw card, but still represents South Africa. Yes, you know, we look at what's happened. Um, you know, uh, Rocker Mayering has done a great job at, at Tux um, University where, you know, they, they've become a little bit top-heavy as a club now. Nobody can really challenge them because they get drawn there because of the, you know, quite what the results that he's got from Tatiana Skunmark and a number of others. Peter see who's a little bit younger than Matt Sates, is the other guy who's really up there on the top, you know. So he's come back with Commonwealth Games medals. You know, he's definitely going to be one to to support from here. So what we're trying to do in Peter Marisburg is um, St. Charles College, we're looking at building a pool. So we said, well, why don't we join up? You know, we'll run this centre you know, after it's been built, you know, we'll put the money in from Midmamal to have the right standard pool where people can break world records in, you know, because that's what could, we could be heading that way with people like um, Peter Kutsi, Tatiana Skunmarker, you know, Matt Sates, um, you know, and we've got to also start looking at when Chad Leco, um retires, you yeah. know, what are we going to do for him? <laughs> you know, so that's a, yeah. it's a, it's a huge thing where, you know, we've got to plan forward, you know, for the kids' sake and, and also for the whole sport. Yeah, longevity obviously is not something in a sport like swimming, although Chad's done un- unbelievably well to have gone for so long. Right, let's turn our attention now, shall we, to the Aquila Midmar Mile. First question, obviously, is how has A, if at all, the floods and B, COVID affected the venue, the organization of the event and so on. Yeah, COVID um, didn't help us at all. Um, you know, we fortunately had our 2020 event just before COVID hit us. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were hammered, um, you know, so we then didn't have the following year, which was a, a major problem for us, you know, and we tried to do it through different COVID protocols and everything. And it just turned out a little bit of a mess. And and it was it was a hard thing to try and, you know, accommodate all of the swimmers. We hope we did. And then obviously this last year is where we managed to get about 50% of our entries. So it was the income that was affected more than anything else. But we have managed to keep it going through a bit of a virtual swim, you know, in the COVID year. So we're looking at hopefully getting all of our numbers back this year. Um, you know, 2023 is a big year for us as the 50th anniversary. And we're hoping that a lot of the past winners are going to turn around and, and, and come and visit us. You know, we have made contact with the very first winner, Trevor Stratum, out in Australia. So we're very proud to to like be able to announce to the people that, you know, our first winner will be there 50 years later and he's going to go and have a swim. So, you know, he's a South African pentathlete in those days. Um, he's really determined to come here. When I said to him, mate, you don't have to swim, he says, no, he'll definitely be swimming. So that was a big boost for us. And also, I mean, I was looking through uh, the entry list and I'm hoping that I'm correct. I see the permanent numbers, numbers one, two, four, five. They're around one. Mike Pengeli is what, swimming for 49 years now? Was yes, for the fiftieth time, that will be unbelievable. Well, you know, we always were hoping that my, that Michael Bathnot, as the founder of the Midmore Mile, would get to his fiftieth and have done all of them. But you know, as he's got a bit older, you know, the water's just been the temperature is a little bit cold for him, so he hasn't quite finished it. But he's been there this year. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to attend because his wife um, passed away a couple of weeks before, so he was with his daughter in Cape Town. But Mike Bengeli has got that true record in a way. Um, he has one year where he was chosen for the World Lifesaving Championships, Masters Lifesaving Championships, and um, we gave him permission to swim the weekend before to keep his record intact. So he is the only one at the moment that is has got a, a complete record. So we know that he'll be there every year. He comes there and he's a very modest guy. He sort of hides in the background and you hardly know that he's actually there. So I hope he's not going to do that this year. You did mention, and I said I would bring it back up, an incredible achievement at, what, 71 years old for Lorna Cochran to swim the race for the first time 
And fittingly, she'll celebrate her 100th birthday in the year of the 50th anniversary of the event. I don't think there's very many people who can have a record like that. You know, it was it's quite funny when, um, you know, we always used that in a way because I think it was actually 74 years old that she was when she swam her first one. And she came down with her whole family, you know, and Neil, the son, was the major driving force of that. And he passed away last year. So, you know, he brought them down as a family. Then in her final year, she wasn't going to swim. And uh, Neil said, well, you can't, you know, you got to swim there because we're going to have four generations of swimmers yeah. in the water. So that's how he, you know, got her to do that one in her 91 years. And, and actually she did very well, you know, so, so, you know, we were like really so happy, you know, we were hoping that she would be strong enough um, at, you know, turning 100 next year to actually be able to attend, you know, but um, they don't feel that she is. I did have a chat to her the other day on the phone and, um, you know, she's still so thankful for what, you know, the event has done for her. But we sort of really thankful to her for, you know, what she's done to show people you know, what you can do. And this year, um, I hear just before I left for Berlin, I hear that we have an 80-year-old swimming his first event and he's from Howick. So I'm just waiting for the name of that person. And um, it'll be interesting to see how many other golden oldies are going to come along and, and swim for the first time because it is something for them to aim at. Easier, accessible to to go to swimming pools and go for a walk in the streets nowadays. So I think it will help all of the swimming pools at the same time. Now let's talk about qualifying for the event itself. It's quite unique, isn't it? A a mile swim, you know, like you got in Durban and Maritzburg, the Comrades Marathon, that in itself is unique at almost 90 kilometers. And then the, the mid-mile mile, they're not, if I'm correct in saying this, any other mile races to qualify, you'll have to qualify in a 1.5k or longer. Yes, you know, when we when we refer to qualifying times, they're not really qualifying times. Um, we're doing it to seed everybody on the safety of the event. So we, we concentrate, first of all, we want everybody to come off the water. It's a straight mile swim. So you're starting at a point, finishing at a point. So, you know, you need to make sure that whoever goes into the water on the one side is coming out on the other side. So we can't put a thousand or two thousand people in the water all at once because you you're going to have problems so in in the early 2000s you know we, we started going on onto the seeding itself so once the numbers had gone over about six or seven thousand total we started putting them into batches and we separate those batches into intervals so if you want to be in the front batch then you're going to do a seeding time what we call so it's not really a qualifying time so the seeding time puts them in the first batch second batch third batch and this year what we've done is to get the batches smaller we've done in a sixth batch and they'll go at three minute intervals so the more times we can get in the database, you know, through the timing management that we have, which is finished time that we've worked on, you know, from the early days that I started um, getting involved in the event. And we make sure that the top swimmers are in the front batch so that we can have a race out there. And people who just want to finish are quite happy to go in the second, third, fourth, or fifth, now sixth batches. So, and obviously the safety is important. The lifesavers can watch each batch coming through. So they've got colors of caps. So each batch has got a color. We monitor exactly who's the faster ones per batch as they come out the water. So it, it all lens for a, a really safer um, swim because we can monitor everybody of the times that they've done in the previous swims. So what you're telling me, and you're being very humble about it, is a challenge to put a race on in the Midmore Dam compared to putting a road race, for example, or a track race is enormous. I mean, just in terms of making sure, as you say, that everybody gets out the water. Yeah, you know, we, we are very fortunate to have a water safety team that comes together 
um, that we rely on. You know, besides for the 120 lifesavers that are fully qualified that fall under J.C. Thompson now for many years um, as the head life-saving person. You know, we have the Navy, we have the South African Police Force diving unit there. You know, they come together, you know, to actually make sure that they're safe. The honorary officers, um, you know, from Midmar Dam as well, they come together. There's all these boats on the water. There's a proper structure that is set up, you know, for the water safety. You know, the Events Act requires us to have a water safety um, plan. And um, we have really experienced people. They've been at the Midmar Mile for many, many years. Um, this is my 32nd year of, of organizing Mile, and I've tried to keep the people together right from the start, you know. So obviously the names have changed, but the actual organizations have stayed. So, you know, we're very thankful to have people like the Navy come in there with their experience. SAP divers, um, you know, we still keep a number of people that, that have also moved on when it comes to their businesses. Yeah. And, you know, so we're really proud of, of that team that comes together for the water safety. I've touched on the floods. Has it affected the dam at all, negatively or positively? And is the water crystal clear and you can have a sip as you go along? <laughs> Yeah, I've had to do that to, to prove to people that the water's clean at Midmar. I've actually drank yeah. the water out of a glass at, at Midmar. But, um, you know, we're just fortunate the Drakensberg feeds Midmar dams, so we don't have the same effects of lower down, the dams that are lower down that are going to go through townships. And, you know, that's yeah. the difficult part, you know. So, you know, Midmar Dam has pretty much stayed clean. You know, it's always nice to have a Midmar mile that is on a full 100% um, water level because then all the grass is there and you, you don't have any of that red mud that's showing and things like that. But we normally put down extra carpeting and things, you know, to be able to, you know, just try and make it a little bit more pleasant. You know, we've even put down beach sand at the finish when it was very low the one year, um, you know, for the people to finish on the beach sand. Otherwise, all that red mud makes the water look too dirty, you know. We, we're fortunate as well to have a drone that gives us some really magnificent aerial shots um, in actual fact the ground of my background here at the moment is, yeah. is an aerial shot that they give me every year and you know we, we see how clean the dam is you know you can see fairly deep in the water and um, that helps for the guys to also feel a little bit safer um, you know when they are swimming so uh, Midmar is really the best dam in the country and I guess in terms of sports and equipment like uh, fancy golf clubs and exceptionally expensive expensive running shoes and a tennis racket that's been strung with gut from wherever. Swimming is basically a speedo, a cap on your head and, and off you go. So, I mean, it really is or hasn't in terms of any of the equipment changed much for swimmers to get out there and just have a swim. <laughs> yeah, people think that swimming is a cheaper sport. Um, you know, if you're going to have a racing suit, any of the swimmers that are racing and they've got a racing suit, you're going to be spending in the region of for a guy three to five thousand rand for the the ladies is going to be probably about four to eight thousand rand so it's not a cheap sport for the competitive swimmers you know if you're going to just buy the average you know training suit and you're going to swim mid mile mile in the in the training suit yes it'll be a few hundred rand you know and um you know Mm -hmm. because it's a family event we also concentrate on keeping the entry fee low because if you've got five in a family entering and the entry fees were up at the amounts that you have to do you know other events i mean comrades are going to be 18 and over i think or even 20 and over now i'm not trying to you got to turn 20 in the year. So it's a much later. So the, the entry fees are higher because they're assuming everybody's working. So we've got families coming in. So, you know, if we want to attract a whole family of five, as an example, if we had like, you know, 
five, six hundred rand entry fee. It's just going to be too expensive for families to come. I, it down. I was amazed doing my research and going through one of the questions I was going to ask you was, what is the qualifying age? And then I came across Rachel <laughs> Rod. I mean, yeah. are we serious that six years old, not only did she swim it, youngest swimmer, and then together raised 30,800 rand for the Chad Lincoln Friends of Swimmers Trust. So two questions in one. One, clearly, you can be six years old and, and swim in the race. And the second part of my question is, what people need to know is the Aquilimut Mall has a massive charity involvement as well. Yes, you know, the age... The younger ages, we don't highlight too much for a reason that we don't want parents to push younger kids in the water. So we need to know that that kid is able. And then, you know, because we allow people to swim with a swim safe device, you know, we also don't want a kid to swim the event and hold on to that and rely on that all the way through because are they really then swimming the mile? So we don't push that side. We've even had a four-year-old that has completed the, the swim, but, you know, to how official it was, we're not, you know, we're not 100% sure. But when we start looking at the younger kids that do swim it there's a five-year-old that swam in the past six-year-old but you'll see not much publicity on that because we don't want to attract that age into the event we're happy that they come along and swim and we all highlight who's the oldest in a big way so because they are people who are trying to achieve something at a later age in their life i think it was about 12 or 14 years ago um you know we had Stan Kozlowski had come to me um, in the early 2000s and said, oh, you know, he's doing fundraising for KZN Wilden's Trust and he's swimming all eight miles. So I said to him, okay, you can go ahead and do that. And he was raising on his own sort of like a 100,000 odd rand, you know, on his own. And then Mervyn Bremner got involved with him as well. And they were raising money for purely for Wildlands Trust. And then there were a whole lot of a group of um, charities that were getting supported. So people then started getting involved that way. And to me, the one presentation we went to, I remember the, the name Little Eden was given a, a check of 1,600 rand. And the person had driven all the way from Johannesburg all the way down to Peter Marisburg to receive this check. And I thought, well, you know, probably what's costing them, you know. So, yeah. so I then put forward a proposal that we go to some bigger charities um, and we try and make more money. And then they swim all the eight miles. And the previous um, charities get supported by 20% of that money that the big charities are raising goes to them. So they've gone up considerably on the amount of money that we raised for the original charity. So we didn't drop anybody off. And um, the first year that we did the change, you know, there's a lot of criticism, obviously, from people at the beginning, you know, what's Wayne doing <laughs> at times. So, sure. you know, it was a situation where you said, well, let's see, you know, and they went over a million rand in the first year. Um, and, you know, we've been to four million rand um, before COVID. Um, this year, uh, the first year out of COVID, really, you know, we went over 2 million. And next year we are saying, can we get to 5 million? You know, so as an example, Chalk Cows, who aren't part of that group, there is a, a Chalk group of eight milers, but in the event itself, Chalk Cows, we allow them to go on the first event on the Saturday. And uh, this year they raised 240,000 rand. So the first year out of COVID, but the last year before COVID, they were on 880,000 rand just on their wow, own. So, incredible. you know, we take pride, you know, I often see big newspaper stories out there, you know, about how much charity was raised in, in the Comrades Marathon and how much was raised in, in the doozy. And I don't see those people coming along and really doing the same publicity for what we're doing in, in the Midmont Mile because we're much higher. So, you know, I actually think to myself, you know, um, Pink Drive were the first ones who, who took up the opportunity and, and they've done great. And in actual fact, um, on Friday this week um, is their 10th anniversary of doing the Swimathon at our swimming pool in Peter Maritzburg. You know, so, you know, we're putting a lot back to the community and that's what I 
sort of take pride in, you know, so we give the money back to swimmers, the money that comes out of the event um, runs the, the swimming center in Peter Maritzburg, and then we give out to all of these charities. So, you know, it's something that's really special. You have one individual who raises 68,000 rand all on her own, Joanne Barnard, and she's there every year, you know, and, and it's just really nice to see that. Um, COVID did a little change on the on the eight mile group. It used to be on the Saturday, Sunday, and we moved it to the Thursday, Friday. And they now swim from the finish across to the start, rest as much as they want, and then carry on swimming. And they complete it when they are satisfied that they've had enough rest. Some swimmers come there, take a few minutes rest and go again. So, you know, they mm. finished early. And it was also allowing us to be more personal. So when we're watching the timing system as they come out the water, we can say this person has come out the water. This person has raised X amount of money at this stage and everything like that, you know. And now we're involving the schools we're saying there's a lot there for the schools to get involved with and we're trying to draw them in to do more fundraising as well because i just think it's good for all of the people that are receiving the charity money right let's take your uh, race director swimming cap off if we may and put your double winner swimming cap on 114 days to go race 11th and 12th of feb next year where should and what should people be doing in terms of do i say i can't say kilometers like a runner what meters of training each day where should they be right now just the average guy i'm not talking about race winners you know when you start looking at the training program i actually wrote many years ago i wrote a program and and we put it on the website there so there's three different levels so some people start off you know in their initial training with like 500 meters you know three or four times a week and then there's another group that could be around about the thousand meter mark 1200 meter mark and then there's a group that's around about you know 1800 to 2000 so that's what the program on the actual um, website is allowing people at that level to start being introduced to the training program. And it's a 12-week training program. So that's a free thing off the website that I wrote up for them, you know, just to give them some sort of guide. So a lot of people follow that. And if you start getting better, you just have to double the sort of mileage that you're doing or add in an extra session or whatever the case is. But, you know, it just depends on that individual. You know, the older swimmers can get away with, you know, 1,500 meters three times a week, and it's enough for them to complete a mile. Some people are trying really hard, um, you know, to better their times, and then they're going to start training a lot more towards that sort of November, December, January mark. So that's sort of 12-week period out. So it is going to be relative to everybody that's, um, you know, on, on what they're trying to aim at in the Midmore. Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Finally, no event goes on without sponsors. Aquila, looking after the world's largest open water swim. It must be really difficult in this climate in our country at the moment, financial climate, to get sponsors on board. But when I look at your website, you've got sponsors all over the place. It's fantastic. They obviously want to be involved with your event. There's a lot of people that have their own opinions out there, um, you know, but Aquila have, have been an amazing sponsor for us. You know, we would have as a swimming club, we probably would have gone under over COVID and they supported us. You know, they came to the party and um, I'll be forever grateful to them for what they've done. Um, I mean, they can't, they're not going to stay in, in, in the Midmore Mile as a sponsor forever. Companies will always change the direction in which they're going and it'll be a sad moment if we ever are at that, that position with Aquila. Um, you know, and, and then the minor sponsors, you know, they, they come in and they make a contribution, you know, every year. You know, the swimming caps alone cost us 300,000 rand that we're ordering for next year. It's a huge wow. amount of money. So they've got a specially printed cap. They've got a memento to take home, you know, and we've gone to a silicone cap as opposed to a latex cap. So, um, you know, it's all those sponsors that come together that, that make the event as well. 
Um, it would be nice to have a few more. We always love we have the highly competitive section of Midmont Mile that, we have, that we're busy building up, which is the, the last two events where the competitive swimmers come from. And we have the hotspots um, at 400 meter, 800 meter and 1200 meters. And we're basically ordering um, finished structures that they're going to swim through where it's going to take their times officially and put the leaderboard basically up at the finish and at the start, you know, because of the screens we're going to put up for next year. Mm. So we're trying to make it something special. So it'd be lovely to have a sponsor for that type of thing because it's going to give them a lot of mileage on the TV especially. We do live the, the mid-mile mile because, you know, kids are, you know, swimmers are here from all over the world. So if we can pull in a few more, it'll be great. You know, we're needing at least about 500,000 to also increase the prize money a little bit and attract a few more internationals. We've got some decent internationals coming this year. So we're hoping to finalize all of that in the, in the near future. Um, you know, Michelle Weber is very much part of the mid-mile mile as a past winner and she's the first winner that's completed the English Channel recently. So, you know, we want to make sure that the South African public are aware of people like her. Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat to you. Thank you so much. We will keep up to date with you. If anybody wants to contact the Midmore Mile info at midmoremile.co.za, call them on 0861 Midmore. You can work out what the MIDMAR numbers are. They're on WhatsApp, they're on Facebook, and they have a wonderful website you can go to, midmoremile.co.za. And on that very same Midmore Mile website, you can download swimming tips for the Midmore Mile. Wayne, absolute pleasure. Lovely chatting to you. Thank you for joining us on From the Boardroom to, in this case, the Dan. Thanks very much. Appreciate it.